What up, Dirt One Pride? This is the Roar of the Lions UK podcast, a podcast where one pride goes worldwide. My name is Anthony Fitzpatrick. I'm joined this evening by Ryan McCluskey, and we are here with the college football podcast, Dinner's Tree. Doing a little bit of a pun title there, sort of mixing the two things on, on we're doing on the show today. We're going to be talking Dynasty Fantasy Football, the first time we've ever done it. And, Ryan, the big breaking news out of college football that everyone was waiting to hear. The Stanford Tree suspension is over. He's back on Twitter after this big fallout that he had with the, the, all the students at Stanford are having with the higher-ups there about stamping down on fun and everything. He came out with that... Um, that big sign at a game saying Stanford hates fun and the guy who does it got suspended, but he's back. The tree is back. The program may not be great, but happy days for Stanford fans. Well, we hope so. We'll see what comes of this season. Another rebuild has begun. Uh, another lot of coaching. Hopefully the uh, committee has learned its lesson about trying to fight the fans and trying to compete with them because it never really works well for anyone. And their spawns where their mascot is one of the creepiest and scariest in football. Absolutely hate the outfit. It looks, it's terrifying. But the tree is back. Whoever's inside the tree will hopefully learn to not push the buttons of the, uh, the, the boosters and the higher-ups. Yeah, exactly. Um, hopefully they can come back and at least inject some enthusiasm into the Stanford crowds next year. Because like I say, it's probably going to be a rough one for them. They're probably one of the worst sides in the Power five at the minute. I think that would be entirely fair to say with them. But yeah, the tree is back. Long live the tree. So yes, this is the College Football Podcast, and as mentioned tonight, we're going to be doing something a little different to what we usually. Do. Obviously, at the minute in college football land, everything is is pretty quiet. We're in uh, spring training season at the moment. All the teams are having their inter squad scrimmages, as they call them. These things that masquerade for games and they kind of just glorified workouts. The last football they'll get until the start of the next college football season. And then, of course, the draft is coming up, so little tidbits here coming out, but nothing really to do. So we had a request from a listener a few weeks back who asked if we'd ever had anything to do with the Dynasty Fantasy Football before. And the answer for me and Ryan is no. Obviously, what Dynasty is, it is the the longer form of fantasy football that goes on for years and years and years. And then you have rookie drafts every season. So all the guys who are currently in the NFL are already on rosters. And then you draft the new guys for your team of the future. So it's like just being an NFL franchise. You can tear it down. You can tank for good picks, rebuild it up from the bottom. You can trade all your picks away and try and form a, a Dynasty, as they call it. There's so many different ways you can do it. And a listener asked if we'd have a go at doing some rankings for this season. So we thought, well, why not? We're coming to sort of the end of the 
our second season of this college football show now as we prepare to do all the league previews over the summer. We'll go on hiatus for a little bit, so I thought it was something fun for us to do in the meanwhile. So that's going to be the show today. We're going to go through quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. Me and Ryan are going to list off our favourite guys, then we're going to try and come to a consensus and create a top five board for people who do. And if you, if you do want to take our advice, then fine, but I'm just going to preface this with neither of us have done this before. And we are just going off our gut instinct with college players about what might happen with them. So just putting that out there. But before we do get involved, just want to do all the housekeeping and stuff first and then shout out everyone who is in the chat with us. So as always, the Roaring Lines UK Discord, if you want in on that, just let us know. We'll fire you a link over. Really ramping up in there now that the NFL draft is near. The Roar of the Lions UK main Detroit Lions podcast. We've been pretty active lately. Um, Saturday just gone, we did an interview with Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press. Um, it's really good. If you've not checked it out yet, please go and do so. It's already become our most watched video ever. The last I checked it was at about 2,500 views, and we've not had a video go over 1,000 yet, so that's kind of the gravitas that Dave brings to a pod, but it's really good. Go check it out if you've not seen it already. And then yesterday we did our final episode of our NFL Draft Prospects. We looked at quarterbacks. We went on for quite some time, but it was quite fun. So if you want to go and check out some quarterback chatter for the NFL Draft, then please go check out that show as well. And a little announcement, if you've not heard already from us, we will be back in two days' time on Thursday with another show. We're going to have Nick Baumgardner on from The Athletic. We're going to be having an interview with him. All things related, Lions. So if you've got anything you want us to ask Nick, then you know just find us on Twitter, find us anywhere, send us the questions, and we will ask him. That will be good fun. Um, don't forget to like and sub to everything, YouTube, Twitch, all that uh, razzmatazz. Um, if you didn't see on Sunday, we did another stream because we hit 1,000 subs on YouTube, and as always, we can't thank you guys enough for rolling with us over here in the UK when there's so much great Detroit Lions content out there already you've chosen to uh, you've chosen to come back us and we really appreciate it so thank you for a thousand and we're gonna carry on building towards loftier targets now and then they say we're twitching everything if you don't follow us on there and you're watching please do give us a follow and then don't forget lions nation unite herman moore's pet project um bringing together the best in detroit lions social media creator content online content made by the fans for the fans. Right. Um, let's get down to business. In fact, no. Let's see who's in the chat first. I know there's a few people knocking around. Ash is listening in on Twitch. He says, listening while I build a Lego DB5. Good luck with that, sir. Mike the Marine is in the building as well. As always, hope you are doing well, Mike. And then in YouTube, we've got a few people knocking around as well. We've got Teardrop Floyd going, waiting patiently here in Mexico. Never heard your college takes interested Hey, thanks for joining us. Like I said, it's, it's a bit difficult to talk too many things college at the moment, but um, we'll talk draft prospects tonight, so hopefully uh, I can whet your appetite for now before we uh, kick off with Season 3 soon enough and really dive down into next season. Det Fan Man goes, welcome to Top Shelf College Football Podcasting. Hey, Det Fan Man, we, we appreciate you. And um, I wonder, did you see the April Fools about General Booty trans... Uh, transitioning from quarterback to tight end. I got suckered in by that one and I sent it to you and then had to quickly delete it. But 
General Booty may rise again one day as a quarterback. Jeff Hurley's in the chat. He says, how's it? Giovanni Leons is in there as well. Um, thank you to you all who have joined us. Jeff goes, a lot will depend with their scoring system, mainly if they use points per catch and a flex player. Yeah, this is a very complicated system. We're just going to go through players tonight who we think are going to do well in fantasy going forward and let you know about some guys who we think might be good sleepers for the future. So, like I say, 100% we are just... We are just trying this. We are not experts. Don't have to take any of the advice we say. We just thought it would be a fun thing to do for the show. So um, let's get on with it. And let's start this evening our fantasy, dynasty fantasy football rankings for quarterback. I figured we'd start with this one, right? Because, you know, not so many quarterbacks may be knocking around this year. So I figured we may be able to come to a bit of a consensus on this one sooner. So how are we going to do this? We're going to... We're going to let you know personally our top five, and then me and Ryan are going to come try try and come to a consensus on a top five between us so that we can do like a college football podcast top five. And then we might let you know of some sleepers who are in there as well. So let's start it off with you, Ryan. When it comes to quarterbacks and dynasty next year, who, who are your top five guys who, who, who you would recommend for anyone doing dynasty next year? This was the easiest list by far. I feel like we'll have the best time agreeing. I think number one, head and shoulders above the rest, I think is CJ Stroud. Because I'm now convinced he's going number one. And the team, that the player that doesn't go to the Texans who have lost Brandon Cooks, have subpar weapons, Apache O-line, just general, kind of suck, is going to be better off. Like I said, the Panthers are heading in the right direction. They want their plug-and-play QB. And I think they've given up all that cap up for CJ. Uh, number two, I've got Bryce Young. Not a bad runners-up prize. If Houston did pass on a QB, I would probably get their general manager sectioned. I think like he would need psychiatric help because that would be ludicrous. Bryce is also just another plug-and-play guy. I feel like he may be the more polished of the two. Like I say, the size isn't really an issue. He's got to be an upgrade potential on day one over Davis Mills. But I feel like the scenario means that there may be more teething issues especially in their rookie seasons with who the Texans take it to. And number three, I've got Anthony Richardson. Like I, say, I, I am convinced that Seattle and the Colts, they, they want that number. They want the Cardinals spot. They want three, even the Raiders. And I think at least two of them are coming up around it. Now, I feel like passing the ball could struggle his rookie season. I very much expect him to have a rookie season like Justin Fields did. I expect him to do lots of heavy lifting with his legs, rack up lots of points, scoring and in the red zone using his footwork. There may be some issues when passing the ball or how often he's asked to throw the ball, but I feel like he can still have a good rookie here if he's schemed properly. Number four, I've got Hendon Hooker. I feel like that there's such little pressure on him and the, the gap where he could go, he could go like you know, between like the end of the first and the third, if you believe Mox, that having him so high. I've seen him go to the Packers. I've seen him go to the Lions. I've seen him go to a plethora of teams. And there are gap teams out there where he could genuinely could compete for the starting job with like a John Love. He could win the rookie job if he did go to the Packers in like the second or third round. I genuinely think that is a, a realistic scenario. So I feel like Hooker, could actually see some meaningful playing time in his rookie year if he lands at the right team. 
and then bring up the rear. Uh, it's Willie Levis. I just, everything I've seen of him, I just feel like the rookie year is going to be a baptism of fire. And wherever he goes, I just feel like it's going to be a struggle. I said, I just feel like turnovers will potentially be an issue. Like I said, that he's got the prototypical size, the arm, the strength, but his feel for pressure and the next level of the NFL defensive ends and outside linebackers is going to face. Unless he gets the best all line possible, he, he could face uh, a real torrid time this year. So they're my top five QBs for the rookies. Oh, I... <laughs> I thought we were going to agree mostly on here, but it turns out we don't, and we're going to maybe have to try hard with this. So, with number one, I've got Anthony Richardson there, and so my whole thinking behind this is, obviously with Dynasty, it's it's done over years, it's done over time, and his ceiling is so high as a player that if you are if you have a team... That is settled at quarterback for now, and it's, it's not really in dire need of an upgrade right away. If you can sit him on a bench for a year, even two, if you've got a guy on there while he develops, as was said on the pod yesterday, he has the ceiling of being one of the best players in the NFL, and it's just very hard to pass up on something like that. And I think the ceiling is far higher than Bryce Young and CJ Stroud if they hit their ceilings. He's even higher, so. I've put him at number one there. I, th- I think Richardson has to be the guy. It's, but but only if you're not looking for a quarterback right away, if you're in a settled situation with it. Number two, I've got Bryce. I mean, I guess Bryce and CJ are interchangeable. I just think Bryce is the better quarterback of the two. And, I mean, maybe the better situation to go to is the Panthers rather than the Texans. I'm not sure, but the Texans' division isn't great. I feel like a quarterback can still eat and do well in there. Davis Mills has done all right with the Texans, and he's no level of quarterback that Bryce Young is. So I've got Bryce at number two. I've got CJ at number three. I agree with your reasoning. I think you know he's going to do really well if he goes to that Panthers system. He might have to wait a little while. The only concerns I have is that he's been thrown to a bunch of round one wide receivers, a wide receiver core that's probably better than a lot of NFL teams right now. So how does he deal with having a bad wide receiver core, maybe for a little while. It, it, it depends on how a team builds round him, but I think just in the short term, it might limit him a little bit, whereas I think Bryce might have a bit of a faster start. And he's worked with a lot smaller calibre of talent over the years at, at Bama compared to what Ohio State have offensive weapon-wise. So I've got that there. Four, I've got Will Levis. Again, this is, this is a pick for the future. This is a pick you are going to make, but... If you get the best out of Will Levis, you you know he's not going to be Josh Allen, but you will have someone in that mold who's got a cannon of an arm on them. Who, you know, if the accuracy gets better, could just take over games and is going to be able to. Is is you know, especially for a fantasy team, but just for a team in the NFL alone, he's going to turn your fortunes around really quick if you develop him correctly. So I think the value you could potentially get long term means he should be quite high up there. And then five, I've done similar. Um, I've got actually Tanner McKee on here. It might sound weird given how much I've ragged on him over the years. Well, ragged on him this year, at least before. I was actually quite high on him this year. It's just not materialised. But he's not going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. But, you know, he's 6'6". He's got the frame. Again, got all the tools, really, that he needs to succeed. And he's been on 
a bad Stanford team. As we've mentioned, he's had some good wide receivers there, but the offensive line's not been great. The running game's been non-existent. It's just not been good at all. So if you put him in a better team, in a better situation with his tools and develop him right, I just feel like the upside again is there for you if you're going to sit him and then, you know, wanting a quarterback one in the long run and you're not too fussed about getting one now. For me, Tanner is that guy there at five. Um, so we're a little bit different here. I guess we're going to try and find a top five out of these, but I think we may kind of have to stand pat with what we got because we're so different. So, okay, we, we've got our two separate lists there. Rationaldum the way we do a little bit differently. So those are the top five for us both, if you're doing Dynasty there. Now I just want to talk about wild cards maybe a little bit. Guys who, you know, we're saying that could be the next Brock Purdy type, who no one's going to pick, who's no one's really going to go after potentially and, and could come good in the right situation in this league. So is there anyone right outside of the five you've mentioned, maybe one of the development guys, etc., who you would... If it was you doing it and you had a spot to stash them because you think if they land in the right situation or the right development, that long-term an investment in them will will pay off. Uh, I feel like, of the names I know, I feel like probably something like Dorian Thompson Robinson is probably the kind of guy that if you're going to wait till potentially day three and you're going to sit him for two years maybe while he hones his skills... He could very well become a starter. He's a long-term project. But if you're looking for a guy that fits the modern game and offers the dual threat, can throw when he scrambles, can throw on the run, can throw across his body when he's running the other way and can command a pocket, I feel like he's someone you're probably going to get the most value out of or is the most likely to come good of like day three options. Some of the more like other heavy set pocket passers I just feel like they're a bit outdated. I just feel like their time has kind of come and gone. The Ben Rufflesburgers, the Staffords. And that's why I worry about guys like uh, O'Connell, Shum. Like, will they be able to keep up with the the mm-hmm. mobility? Do they have the agility for the modern games? Yeah. I like DTR as a, a long-term player and a good potential, at worst, backup. Yeah, he's, he's top of my list in that regard as well. I think if he finds a correct scheme fit somewhere... Obviously, these dynasty drafts are done before the draft to not give you an advantage. But if if DTR was to land in a system that favoured its dual threat quarterbacks, like a Baltimore or something like that, then I think the potential for him is sky high because they build around quarterbacks like that. And you don't necessarily need to fully develop them before you can start playing them and using them. So DTR's there. And I, I will throw in... Um, a few others. So you mentioned Aidan O'Connell. I put Aidan O'Connell in there. If you're looking for a pocket passer and you think, you know, if he landed in the Lions system, I think we were talking about this yesterday, I'm not saying it'd be a smash hit, but it would be a system he would thrive in, or at least he would have the best chance of succeeding in. So if you sent him somewhere like the Patriots or or us, you know, someone who like thrive off that play action, they need a more of a pocket passer type guy, then I think Aidan O'Connell would be worth a pick. And I don't... I, I think you'd be able to wait until after the draft because I don't think anyone's going to go out and draft him. But I think he could come in and start and do some damage, you know, if he's if he's required to. So I will put him in there. And then I would just say as a very, very long shot, keep an eye on where Lindsay Scott lands because dual threat quarterback, 
you're going to develop him long-term. But if he, again, lands in the correct system or on the right team, that is a long-term play that I think that you can afford if you've got some spot spare and you may be looking you know, down the future for your, uh, for your quarterbacks. So I think outside of that, there's... Yeah, I'm with you. I think a lot of these guys, just the day three, the pocket passer types, just I think they're going to really struggle, and I don't think we're going to really see that much out of them. But, I mean, Brock Purdy happened, so we did not see that one coming. So who on earth knows? Right, let us move it on to the running backs. And I feel like this this is going to be very difficult because when you're profiling dynasty running backs, obviously you, you want a guy who can who's going to get a lot of carries, you want that bell cow guy, but you want a guy who's a dual threat as well if you're doing the points per reception leagues, etc. You want a guy who's going to be in the passing game because if a team gets behind and goes away from its running back, suddenly a bell cow becomes kind of worthless because they don't get plays. So it's I, I figure it's really hard to try and rank these. So uh, go 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 first again, Rye, with, with your running backs. I'm going to be really intrigued to see which way you've gone here, but... Who would be your top five running backs if you were drafting them for a dynasty team this year? So, number one, uh, if that was the easiest, like, Bijan Robinson, there's a good chance, like I say, he's going to get taken by someone that's either in win-now mode, needs a bell cow, or has got a great offensive line, and he's going to get 150, 225 touches from his rookie year. Touchwood stays healthy. He's not going to have to compete with many guys for touches, and he can basically do everything. So, at worst, you're going to get someone that sees a lot of the ball and just has to produce. So, I, I don't feel like fending off any of the other guys will be an issue. So, at number two, I've got Jimmy Gibbs, because I feel like he's the best, maybe, complementary guy. Like I say, he's a very good receiver. Like I say, he's got nice soft hands, catches the ball out of the backfield, and Seeing him go make that big jump up from Georgia Tech to Alabama has eased any worries I've got about him also being able to take a strong workload. So I feel like he will get good touches in the red zone. He'll score touchdowns. And he shouldn't get too many miles on the clock as well because he'll probably split carries a bit like a swift Montgomery system. He isn't going to be asked to do too much, which I think will work in his favour. So at number three, I've got Juice Vaughn. I've got a riser. I feel like as a long player, like I say, he's going to be a value pick, but over time, I feel like he will grow into a role. I feel like he's maybe the best pass-catching back of this. I feel like he can carve out a role for himself where he doesn't have to try run through the formation. He can very much be a bit like a DeAndre Swift where he needs to bulk up a little bit and protect himself, but splash players are plenty. I feel like will make him great value, especially if he catches on with a good team that's got an established running back one. Like I say, it may take two or three years. It may get minimal impact in the rookie year, but I feel like he's probably getting pretty low. So, number four, I've got Zach Charbonnet. Now, is this low? Because I worry because I, I see the upright style. I see the north and south. I think of Derek Henry, the high highs, but also the low lows. Like say when he gets injuries, Dak Charbonnet, I feel like will maybe miss time. I feel like he will pick up knocks because of his upright running style. He's a bruiser, but he's got the frame. But I feel like the the wrong team may try run this kid into the ground. It might give him too much to do. He might not get enough help. So I can't really put him any higher there. 
And number five, I've got Devon Atchin. Now, this guy is the Swiss Army knife, so if you're looking for a guy that will probably field punt returns, kick returns, be a receiving weapon, and take some, like, maybe wildcat snapbacks or some uh, some good trick players or some screens or some jet sweeps, I feel like this is the most versatile guy of the five, which probably makes him a potential steal because he may not get tons of touches, but when he does, I feel like he's someone that could make take maximum value with those. And I feel like he could score quite a few touchdowns, even in his rookie year, when you get him into space. And if a team is buying hard or a run heavy, like I say, I feel like he'll be able to be freed up. So that is running back class has a lot for everyone, and someone's going to find the right guy to use it the right way. See, we're actually closer on the running backs than we're the quarterbacks, which is surprising to me. But yeah, I've absolutely got Bijan at number one. Because like you say, you're not drafting him in the first round to not take as many reps as he can physically handle. He's an underrated receiver. Didn't really use that. They just ran him. So I think that even when you get to third down situations and that, he's going to have value as a pass catcher as well. So, and like I said, he's going to get 20 touches a game, 25 touches a game if he's healthy and He's just gonna he's just gonna go mad in this league. I don't think there's anything there. Jameer Gibbs, I've got at number two. I fully agree. He's the best receiving back in this league, in this league, in this draft, for me. So that just gives him three down versatility there. You know, you'll use him as a runner. Like you say, I don't think he'll get the bell cow workload, but you will maximize him. It's kind of what Alabama did as well. They give him a lot of carries, but they used him as a receiver a lot. They used him all over, and when you've got a diverse weapon like that, a team will use him, and they will feed him touches. So I, I think fully he's going to be there. I've actually got Zach at number three. Now that I've kind of listened to your rationale a bit, I do understand why you had him a little bit lower, but you know, you kind of watch that UCLA team and how he's played there, and they're a very diverse offense in the way they run. He doesn't just run between the tackles, he runs outside the tackles. He's kind of very diverse in how he plays, so, you know, I, th- I feel like he can match up well against a lot of defenses he'll come up against, and he will get yardage there, and he's built like a brick. He's had such good production at UCLA, you know, he had to leave a stacked Michigan room. I mean, just says something about Michigan's running back room when he doesn't get snaps there. Goes to the Pac-12 and absolutely ruins it. So I think Zach's going to have a great career. And I, I think that in a long career as well. So Zach's number three for me. Number four. So this is where we differentiate, unsurprisingly, because there's that many running backs this year. I've actually got Ty J Spears here up at this point because I feel... We've seen recently the development of Tajay's receiving side that we didn't realize was there. He's a really good running back in his own right. But there's a deceptively good receiving side to him as well. And I, I don't think he's going to be a... He's not going to be a number one bell cow running back for someone. I foresee his future been in a rotational system in like San Francisco's system. Some A team like that who sort of rotates its running backs around uses them to create mismatches and that. I, th- I think Ty is going to fit in in a room like that and I think he's going to get a lot of success um, going forward. So, yeah, it might not be the bell tower cap, might not be right away, but I think over time he will find his niche in the right system and he will score you a lot of points and I don't think people are going to be taking him early compared to the other big ones. So I've got T- Ty J at four and then I've got my guy Israel at five if he lands in the right system, Israel, he is a bell cow running back. The receiving is not really there, but 
you know, outside of Bijan, he's one of the best bell cow running backs in this draft. And he's shown at Pittsburgh, he went from being a rotational guy for a few years to this year where he became the guy and just absolutely rinsed everybody in his way. It's like one and a half thousand yards, 17 odd touchdowns. He's had a really good year. And I just think, again, I think someone might invest in him as a, if not an immediate running back one right away, as, as a future running back one. So I think he might rotate to begin with and then take over a running back room. So, I've got Israel in there for me. So, Bijan Jamir, Zach Charbonnet, Tajay Spears, and Israel Abanikanda in that order. Right, wild cards. So, we've done our top five. There are a lot of guys in this running back class. A lot of places you can go. I mean, the first wild card for me, if you're not going to take a running back high and you're wanting to look for one later, is Kenny McIntosh. Simply because, I mean, his size, his ability, he's a low-key, really good receiving weapon out of that Georgia backfield. He's not got the mileage on him like James Cook. They don't run their running backs into the ground. I think he needs development going forward until he's really big in a running back room. But he's got both facets to his game. He can run the ball. He can catch the ball. The receiving aspect of his game is so smooth, so clean, so good. That I think a team's going to draft him fairly high. I reckon he might. I reckon someone might take a swipe on him a little higher because of what he can be going forward. So you're looking for one, maybe not in the big group there. I, th- I think Kenny McIntosh is certainly one you've got to watch out for. Who who are you looking and sort of your wild cards, right? Who maybe the longer term guys or one you might not see right away. Uh, for me, I look at Zach Evans. <clears throat> so the be- the best ever TCU recruit in history, the five star. Everything for him, I think, came a bit too early, too soon. The lack of maturity was kind of visible at his time in the Horn Frogs. Things didn't go too well how he left. But then seeing what he did behind Quinchon Judkins, taking half the carries and still having a pretty phenomenal year for Ole Miss last year, he was still one of the better running backs in the nation. He was a clear running back too. I feel like if he's finally matured and he's able to prove to people that he's ready for all those uh, carries, and I think he could be a future workhorse running back. He's got the build, he's got the speed, he's got the background as well to prove it from high school through college. I feel like he's a kid that could be destined for greatness. I think his only thing that holds him back is his self. Like I say, if he's able to like, just get past the issues, like I say, if he's able to grow up a little bit, is to be trusted i feel like he'll be a potential home run it could be a total sleeper and i feel like i've seen like people say he's like the eighth ninth best back in this class but he, he could be like a top three guy he, he could be a day three pick but i feel like if you're willing to mentor him for a year or two then you might see the very best of him in two and a half three years time yeah, no, I fully get behind that. I remember there was a time when we thought he would be the best running back in the class, and he said he's just held himself back a bit. But yeah, Zach Evans certainly one if you want a risky running back room a little bit there. Other guys I've got down. So for me, there are a couple of guys who could be running back ones in this class. They will not be drafted as such, but if injury or opportunity occurs, they could be. So the first would be Mohamed Ibrahim. So Mo's had a phenomenal college career with the Minnesota Gophers. Of course, it was the big injury 
that, that did for him two years ago but he came back last year and looked like he hadn't lost a step and I just have this sneaky suspicion if Mo ends up at the right team like a, a good running rushing team who uses a bell cow back someone like that and the, an opportunity arises if the starter gets injured if he gets some snaps he can come in and be a running back one for you right away because that's what he's been his entire career with the Gophers and but he's not going to be drafted as such. So you will probably get him later down in your drafts. He's a bit older, so people might stay away. But you can get running back one productivity out of him if the opportunity arises. So Mo will be there. And I'd say the same for Tank Bigsby as well. You know, Tank has so much mileage on the clock from his time at Oban, but still relatively healthy in the grand scheme of things. He, If you want a guy who can come in in absentum of a running back one if again if there's an injury or anything tank will come in and take a full workload for you so for me you know tank and mohammed ibrahim are ones you have to keep your eye on especially if they don't get drafted and then they end up on the right team snap them up just completely and utterly snap them up a team that runs running backs as bell cows they will work with them is there anyone else you want to mention as a running back class because i know there are loads if you're going for someone like say that it's kind of like a new kid on the block, I'd say Kendra Miller, like I say, coming off a fantastic year himself. Kind of came out of nowhere, I feel like, this year. He's he's young, but he's also he's very well built. He's got a muscular frame and he's had a lot of production this year. He's kind of like a hot name because of somewhat recency bias. I feel like he'll probably do pretty well. I feel like he might even get drafted a little bit too high. Like I said, I think the sky's the 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 sky's the limit with this kid talent wise. I just feel like he has to go into the right system and it has to be nurtured because he's still very raw and he's still quite young as well compared to a lot of these guys. So he needs to be managed properly and not rushed off, thrown into too much too soon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agreed. Um, right, let's move on. Let's go to tight ends now because I'm <laughs> this tight end class is stacked. It's probably one of the most stacked tight end classes ever, and it's going to be very interesting to see what the line of thinking is here when it comes to drafting them for a fantasy team. So, tight ends, Ryan. Who, who have you gone for with your tight ends? Number one, I couldn't look anywhere else other than Michael Mayer. If you're looking for the finished product of the last two years, nearly 20 touchdowns, just safe, solid production which I feel like is kind of what you want from a tight end, consistency. They don't have to be that flashy, like, say, Mark Andrews, uh, Hill. Like, say, they're just kind of consistent, uh, but they're always available and they can be the focal point of an offense. And I feel like Michael's shown that for the last two years now. You'll get instant potential offensive player of the year talent now. In five years' time, you're probably still getting the same level. I don't really see much of a drop-off, which I feel like makes me consensus, number one. Number two, I've got Dalton Kincaid because it's hard to overlook that the fact I just think he's a better weapon than Michael. Like I said, I think he's more potentially explosive. He could be more flashy. Like I said, will the blocking be a sound? Will he be an instant starter? Or will he have to take some time rotating? Quite possibly. But I feel like the ceiling is higher with Dolan than it is Michael. But I feel like if I'm picking a player first overall, I want the higher floor, especially at tight end position. Because the tight ends, I'm looking for longevity. 
because too many tight ends right now are flashing the pan. I saw a list like last 10 first round tight ends picked and it's a sorry state of affairs. <laughs> it's not for it. So number three, I have Sam Laporte because for me, that's it. Maybe this is just preferential, but I just feel like if you overlook the fact that his blocking needs work, he's just a very solid receiving option. And the way the NFL is going right now, receiving tight ends, I kind of like stall the trade. Like I said, you can try work on them. You can try bring them in early, try work on the blocking. Some will get better, some won't. You can't really improve the catching. They're either a receiver or they are. And that's how I look at Sam. First and foremost, he is a receiver. And I feel like he's going to be great value because he can slide all the way to the third round. So, he, especially if play two like two tight end sets and can have him on the field with someone else, I feel like they get the best benefit out of him. Number four, I've got Darnell Washington. Is it? I'm really not that high on him. I see comps like uh, Mercedes Lewis, and they just make me like shiver. I don't want to see my tight end compared to something like that. I understand he can be a potential dominant blocker and the measurements are all there. But do I see it panning out? Do I think he could be a huge bust? Yes. Because can he be a focal point in offense when he wasn't a Georgia? Brock Bowers was. Darnell Washington was that kind of more rugged, do-it-all. Can he be that dominant with that size at the next level? especially as a passing weapon, or will he just be a red zone monster, a bit like Antonio Gates? I can't say, and I, I'm very wary of him. So when I see the Lions mocked him like 18 or 20, it, it really rubs me up the wrong way. So I, I feel right now, Darnell, I think he's a very long-term project. He has all the physical tools he can't teach, but I need to see what else he can offer me first. And then bring up the rear, Luke Musgrave. The workout warrior, the the freaky athlete, like I said, the six six size, but with the four low four five speed, he could be phenomenal. He could be the best. Like I say he had a great year at Oregon State, but not too much else to go off. Like I say it's very hard to judge just because of his supreme combine and all the testing. I don't like to get wrapped up in that stuff, but he's kind of won me over. I'm kind of enamoured, but I feel like I've got to keep expectations in check. I'd have could have put him at one or two and feel like he's going to be the next uh, Travis Kelsey, but that you're just preparing yourself for trouble there. So he has got tons of upside. If Luke goes like day two, I feel like he could be the best guy of the class. So I feel like he's got real good long-term potential. Yeah, a lot to agree with that. I've I've got the same five guys, um, just in a different order here. And I think you know I've used some of the reasoning that you've been a bit more wary of, which is absolutely fine. So at number one, I've actually got Dalton Kincaid at number one because I just believe if every if everyone hits their ceiling out of these guys, like if everyone comes to the best, he will be the best of all five of them because I just think. He's a you know he's a next level receiver who's just going to give you such a threat down the field. I think if the blocking blocking gets good, then you know he, he just offers you more all round. I think he's going to be the best all round one out of a lot of them. So I'm sort of going with future potential there. Have been the best of them all. I've got 
Dalton Kincaid at one. Um, right behind him, just like you, I've got Sam Laporta, but I've got Sam Laporta at number two. And the reason why is like I'm actually quite big on him, like you are. He just he sort of screams Pat Freermuth to me in terms of a guy who. You know, not many people were talking about Freemuth prior to the draft that year, but that was a barren tight end class that he was in, and still not that many people were talking about him. But he ended up in the he ended up in the perfect scheme fit with the Steelers. It's like if you could have picked a team for Freemuth, it would have been the Steelers. I think it's going to be the same with Sam Laporta. I mean, he's been on a dog awful Iowa offense. And he's still got the yards. He's still played well. He's been the only threat they've had as a receiver. And he's still got the yardage. That takes skill as a tight end to be like the number one guy and act like a number one receiver. And you say the blocking has some has a, has a ways to go. But a lot of these guys, blocking doesn't really come until they get to the NFL when it's schemed a lot more and it's done that way. So... I just like really what he brings to the table. He's done it in an awful offense. You put him in a good offense that's going to really maximize him, I think you're going to get a fantastic player out of him and you could have a trajectory to move. So I've got him there. I've got Musgrave at three, and, and this is entirely based on projection because he's done nothing at the college level, like literally nothing but... The athletic profile, the size, the speed, everything he brings, you know, he could potentially be the second best guy in this life. Again, if you're talk, talking overall ceilings, I think Musgrave's second out of this lot. Just because of his sheer size, he will be a dominant blocker and he will be a horror for linebackers to try and match up with in the passing game. And, you know, I've, I've just seen the glimpses. And here, I, I would sort of take a swing on him. If I if I had a good tight end on my team in fantasy and I was like, right, I'm going to load up for the next one, I think he'd be the one I'd really take a swing on if I wasn't in dire need of one. So, Musgraves three. I've got Darnell at four, and this may sound really harsh to Michael Mayer because I've got him at five. But, again, I think with what he brings to the table, he is more of the blocking guy right now. But, you know, Georgia haven't, They've used him as an offensive weapon, but I think there's a lot more for him to come as a receiver. But I think naturally, as the great blocker he is, he'll get a lot of reps. He'll see the field a lot, and he'll get a lot of opportunities, I think, to be a receiver as well. I think he'll earn his way into the trust of his coach quite quickly. And, you know, I expect to see his receiving game grow as a result of, and again, just how he's built. He's just got the potential to be such a menace at the NFL level that I just think, again, over Mayer, the ceiling is a little bit higher, and, and I'd go with him for that. And then, number five, I've got Michael Mayer, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with Michael Mayer at all. I think maybe he will have the most instant impact out of everybody. If you're wanting a tight end now, draft Michael Mayer. But I think in the long run, in two, three years' time, when you're looking at it, I think, hmm, you know, he's doing well, but this guy's just hit on one of these guys below who came out who just had a lot of potential about him. I think we'd be looking at it like that. So that is the only reason he is down there. But I'd be stoked to get any of these guys. Really, I think they're all going to be very successful at the next level, provided they can stay healthy. Um, I'm really excited for looking, looking forward to seeing them. Out of everybody else, anyone we're not talking about here, you know, and I think... After these, a lot of them are going to be developmental guys, scheme guys, etc. Who would you get for the long term out of the tight end class? Uh, see, I suppose Luke Schoolmaker offers a good balance of blocking and receiving. I'd say, and he comes from a well, 
a noble scheme, like I say, he, he was used well in a good tight end scheme at Michigan. And Michigan have had recent success with tight ends, I suppose. Like I say, got like Jay Booting guys like to the draft. Struggled after they got there, but they have good foundations at least. If you're talking like a long term player, you're a stash like day three, you probably got like took a craft from a South Dakota State. Like I say, dynamic threat of a weapon at the FCS level against some of the defenses. Can you replicate it against more savvy defenders that know better how to deal with tight ends? Maybe not. He might he might struggle when the uh, step of competition steps up. But he's got physical tools. He's got a good receiving tree. He's got a good body of work behind him. And there'll be no pressure on him at all to instantly produce. So I feel like he could come really good within a year or two, gets in the right situation. It's a, it'll just be a, a steep learning curve for him. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, I'm keeping an eye on everything in the chat, by the way, so thanks to everyone who was with us this evening. Thanks, Harley Quinn, for wishing us well on the 1,000. I know someone else did as well. Thank you ever so much for that. Derek, I'll quickly cut off to you. He goes, James Mitchell is just as good as the players you mentioned in a tight end. He's healthy now. He's our future tight end in March. I completely agree with you, Derek. I, I think James Mitchell is our guy, and I'm not high on his really drafting a tight end. I think he's going to be tight end one eventually, and the guys behind him will be just fine. So I fully agree with you there. James Mitchell is the guy for us. So wild cards. I mean, for me, the couple of wild cards I'd have at tight end here, I'd have Cameron Latu on there. I, I actually really like Cameron Latu out of Bama, especially as a receiving guy if you're going to bring him on the field. But I think he blocks pretty well as well. I think he's just going to take a bit of development time. But if you miss out on the top guys at at tight end and you want someone later I think Cameron Lato will be a solid option going forward in the long run and then I think the real outside one right and he's mocked to the Lions all the time the old Dominion tight end Zach Kuntz I mean you've kind of got to take him if you're going to go a long term tight end prospect you've kind of got to take him just because of the size and the build really don't you because if someone develops him right He's going to be a freakishly good player in the NFL in time. Yeah, like I say, he can be a demonstrative blocker. Six foot seven. Like I say, he's as big as Darnell Washington, basically always. But he can catch, he can run, he can block, he can play in line, he can probably go out in the slot, he can probably play him like a, on the fringe. Like I say, he, he's got versatility and release and where you put him. So, as a a proper pet project where you can just kind of have fun with him. Like I said, I feel like you can ask him to do a lot of things. And yeah, he will cost you a very small pick. He's a day three at best. Exactly. Surely because of where, so where he's coming from, the scheme he's been in and the overall success that he's had. But yeah, potential huge upside. The floor is impossible to say, but the ceiling, if, if he does come good and he can uh, make the jump, like I say, it could be a, a really big player at next level yeah yeah agreed with that one the only other guy I quickly mention is Davis Allen the guy out of Clemson I just I really root for him as a guy and I think he's really good when it comes to his blocking and I don't think he's he's been utilised as much as Clemson he can have been as a receiver but I think Davis Allen could be a sneaky good late pick as well if you're looking for someone just to throw in at tight end at the end so I put him in there right let's move it on last position we've got here Wide receiver, and I, just, I don't even know where to start with these guys. So obviously when we're thinking dynasty with wide receivers, we're thinking guys who 
not just receivers, but they can do the return aspect of it. They can be used in the backfield. You know, they can be used in motion with jet sweeps. Just the you know, manufactured guys who will get manufactured touches, etc. Going on there. It's um, this was incredibly difficult for me, and I, I would be surprised maybe if we'd got like two or three of the same ones here um, when it comes to drafting dynasty receivers. Um, start us off, Rai. Who, who are your top five wide receivers? when it comes to dynasty football in this draft? So, number one, I have gone with Jackson Smith and Jigba because I feel like, one, got the most talent. Two, ability to play inside and outside, I think. I feel like it may not come natural straight away, but eventually, when everything starts to click, he will be an asset in all phases of the game, inside and outside. Once the speed, like say, jet sweeps, tosses, I feel like he will get those touches, as you say. I feel like long term, he should be a 900,000 yard receiver potentially every year. Instant impact, you also get potential offensive rookie of the year. As a long term player, if their health checks out, there's no reason why he can't just be their next dominant product in Ohio State. But number two, I've got Quinton Johnston. Because I feel like teams cover the, the X, the X guy, the guy that can take away a cornerback one and can get the ball down the field. And that's what I think he is. I feel like he suits the modern game potentially the most of a lot of guys because he's got the big body, he's got strong hands, he's got a good frame, he's got speed. He's got sloppiness too. Like you say, catching with his chest, but again, the hands up. I think that he's got fixable issues. I say he's coming off a monster year, and I feel like he can be the kind of guy that, if he lives up to his ceiling, will put the fear of God in defenders. I say because he he just can be that that monstrous guy. I say, will he be Calvin Johnson? I don't know. Impossible to say. Could he play that, adopt that kind of style? He very well could. I feel like he could have a very long, successful future. The number three, I've got Zay Flowers because. I I just trust him. I when someone for me can play multiple years with up middling good to mediocre to bad quarterback player and still put up levels of consistency, playing in the slot, playing in the backfield, potential returner, and also despite his diminutive five, also win on the outside with fluent crisp route running, I feel like he's just made for the NFL. I just feel like he's a dream for a defensive coordinator when you get someone that just can play so much bigger than they are and just, just never looks out of place in any position you put him in. And I just feel like he could potentially be a star and the best rookie season maybe out of this class. If he lands in the right team towards the end of the first round, he could be the guy that could lead them to a Super Bowl, be on a Super Bowl winning roster within his rookie year. Number four, I've got John Addison. I've got him because I feel like you may get the best out of him of all the guys I've listed as a maybe a opponent or a kick returner. Like I say, he has got good, crisp turns. He cuts well. He's got speed as well. I say a lot of these guys before him aren't overly fast in a straight line, whereas Jordan, potential burner. I feel like if you're looking, like say, a PPR or if you're looking just points, home runs, touchdowns, like I say, he may not have the biggest volume of work, 
that what he can do in short touches or lesser targets may make up for other guys. So I feel like he could potentially be a, a real winner there. And at five, uh, I've got off the bat, I've got Rashid Rice. I say the guy really came into his own this year, SMU. I say he followed in the footsteps of Danny Gray and Reggie Robinson, but he just looks so much better than them combined this year. He just showed that, like I say, he, he lit up physically, the testing as well, the combine, all that. Fantastically good. He has got great speed. He's got high IQ. Like I say, he's got explosive players, can take the roof off the defense. Tyler Mordecai's strong arm, he's sure of that. Like I, say, I feel like he could be a special teams ace himself as well. He will do the hard work. If he has to, he'll earn his reps through special teams. He could definitely be a gunner. I feel like if you asked him to tackle someone, he'd have a good go at it. I feel like he's a long-term player that could have really big upside in a few years and could come good. Like the way like uh, Tyler Boyd, like at the Bengals, started quite slow and like years three and four really coming into his own. I feel like if he showed Riddick really Sheed that kind of confidence, he will return it in a long-term player. That's interesting. That's, that's quite interesting because we do have a few of the same guys here on this one. I was I was wondering whether we'd agree with any of these. So when it comes to wide receivers, I've actually not got Quentin on here at all. And considering I actually really like Quentin, I, I don't know. I just there's some that I watch him and I just don't know whether it's going to be there. But number one, I've actually got Jordan Addison as the receiver to go out with number one purely because. He's had success everywhere he's been on college. First with Pitt, then with USC. He's often been the guy, especially at Pitt, he was the guy. You know, the guy that everyone double teamed, that put extra pressure on him, that, you know, gave him all that special attention. He was still able to get productivity. Then the move to USC was a big step up for him on big limelight, and he still got production. Again, on a team that's not really... St- I mean... I think Riley's offences are really good, but he is still kind of the standout guy there. A lot of pressure on him transferring in, and first year just absolutely rips it up. Still carries on doing well. I just think those guys who get good production everywhere they go, just they, they find a way. They find a way to fit in the system. They find a way to earn the trust of their coach. They find a way to make plays and, and get touchdowns. And I, I just think Addison is the safest of the lot of them. And I think he will give you really good receiver numbers going forward. And I think the longevity has been there with him. He's always been fairly healthy. Never really been injury issues, anything like that. So Addison would be the first guy for me there. I've actually got Zay Flowers at number two. I know you got him at three, but whatever all that stuff you said about Zay Flowers, I kind of agree with. And it's because someone, he will be a, team will pick him for scheme fit, right? So someone's going to use... You're picking him, especially in the first round, you're picking him that high because you've got an offensive scheme that needs a player like him and only him. So he's going to get touches manufactured for him. There are going to be plays where it's going to be on him. I think he's going to get a high volume of them. And just like you say, he may be undersized, he may be diminutive, but the speed, you know, the route running, is just all that stuff that gets him the separation he needs so he doesn't have to compete. And I just think they'll be, he'll be put in a scheme where he's designed to succeed. And, you know, I just... I think he's going to be a real hit, especially in his formative years. I think he'll hit the road... He'll hit the ground running really quickly. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all up on Zay Flowers there. Number three, 
And you may disagree with this one here, but I think he's sneaky going to be good at the next level. I've got Xavier Hutchinson. I feel like Xavier has been... He's been on a bad team. He's been on a bad offense as well. You know, he's you know he had Brock Birdie throw into him last year, but it's not been good this year. And again, he was finalist for the Boletnikov. He's got that strength on the outside that you want. Maybe he doesn't get the separation that you'd like, but he's got the strength. He's got the contested catchability. He he's just a guy who's going to go out and make plays. And you know, he's going to be a guy who's going to go out there. He's going to be a blocking guy again. I think. A coach is going to love him. They're going to give him lots of snaps to go out there and do his thing. So I think maybe not right away, but I think as a long-term, reliable, consistent option at wide receiver, I think Xavier Hutchinson's really going to do it. Really going to do it going forward. At four, I've got JSN. Then I've got Smith Njigba there. And for me, I mean, one, he's coming off the injury with the hamstring. People are worried about that. And, you know, it's not good for a receiver if the hamstring's pinged. But the only other issue I have with him, he's a really good receiver, do not get me wrong. But he's always been an offense where he's got Marvin Harrison with him. He's had Chris Olave with him. He's had Garrett Wilson with him. He's never had to undergo the pressure that a true wide receiver one does of having men doubled up on him, having all that extra attention given to him, the spotlight of being the guy. Because when you've got those four four wide receivers lining up, who the hell do you <laughs> devote your extra time and attention to? I just I need to see him adapt to being a true wide receiver one who has all the pressure put on him and all the attention and can he still keep making the plays when he does he probably could but, you know, the guys I've got above him are the guys who've kind of, they've done it. They've still been really good receivers at college level in spite of, you know, a lot of opposition attention on them. They've still carried on doing it. So that's the only reason he's down there. It's nothing against him. And number five, this may come out of left field. I don't know. And it's not really someone I'd looked at a great deal going into this process. But I've got Marvin Mims on there from Oklahoma, I think. Marvin's been a very steady presence on that team for a long time, but I also think his potential's not even been close to being unlocked there. Um, I just kind of like his entire skill set overall. I think he's you can use him outside, you can use him inside. You, you go on a receiver needy team who needs sort of a guy who can sort of move around and fill a lot of holes for you. Again, will probably get a lot of touches in the process. Marvin Mims is that guy for me, and I, I could be regretting that one, but I do I do think there's something there with him. I don't think we've seen the best of Marvin Mims, and I still think he's a really good receiver already, and I think there's a ton of room for growth going forward, so I've got Marvin there at five. Right, there's a ton of receivers in this class. You know, We've mentioned some of the good ones, but there's so much development talent going forward. To finish it off, Who who's the guy who maybe doesn't do it right away? Or he's not going to get drafted high, but might do it quicker. Who who would be your sleepers at receiver? If you'd have asked me a week ago, I'd have probably said someone like Cedric Tillman. But I feel like suddenly a lot of people are talking about him. So I'm going to go. I'm going to say Jadon Hazelwood. Like, if you're talking like a, an elite high school kid, he was a super high recruit coming into college. And do you know what? In his early years, he really struggled, didn't he? Like you say, like say until he got uh, to Arkansas. And had a, a fairly good year this year. So the tape from coming out of college probably doesn't do him justice. Like you say, he's got speed, 
He's got good size. He's like six two. Good hands. A good pedigree. What he did in the last few years probably will see him slide. I say because the college, it wasn't great. Like at Oklahoma, it just didn't work out for him. It, it just were not a match made in heaven. So for those two reasons, he's probably going to fall. But I feel like he could still very much just live up to potential. He could work his way in as a wide receiver, four or five. He will do what he needs to. And then within a year or two, wide receiver two, wide receiver three, and it could be a, a, a good, strong rotational piece in an offense. May never be a world beater, but where you take him, I don't think he'll ever need to be. I say he'll kind of be a guy that will always kind of find work and will always be at some point kept in an offense. I say because the play is there. We've just never seen it. It's just never really materialised. And he could just be a late bloomer. He's a bit older. I feel like if everything just clicks, it just could come out of left field completely. Mm. There's a lot of people who know you follow Wake Forest on here. Because we get asked this all the time, but A.T. Perry's name has been mentioned. Yeah. Is is he one that you might, you know, fantasy-wise, he might take a little bit of time, but he'll get there? Or he could score tons of touchdowns, yeah. He was a touchdown machine in the last two years. I said, a lot of stuff needs work, but deep ball and red zone, that don't need any work. Plays it like a point guard, like he's in the NBA. Massive six foot five frame, good arms, long, knows how to play defenders, especially at the goal line. He'll scoop up five, six touchdowns his rookie year easily, and he might not do much else. But yeah, I say, if if you're looking for purely consistent scoring, you could probably get it from him sooner than a lot of guys. I reckon you'll get him in round three. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's going to be so difficult with a wide receiver. Class. I mean, we've not even mentioned guys like Josh Downs. I mean, we love Josh Downs, but we've just not even been able to find room for him in here. I think if if it's me and I'm sort of going development over the long term, there's so many developmental guys here. The big one I stuck my name, I stuck the the ring round when I did this was Andre Yoshivas, the Princeton wide receiver, getting a lot of love from NFL teams at the minute, and, and he is built like an NFL wide receiver. He's going to take time to develop, but if you want a receiver who you can just sit and wait for the results, and the finished product could be incredibly good. So Andre Yoshivas would be one there. Obviously, there's my guy Puka on there as well. Puka Nusua at BYU. Going to take time, but as an outside receiver, we'll get there eventually. Um, Ryan mentioned Rasheed Rice. In his... Was Rasheed on your top five? Yeah, I didn't fifth. Yeah, so you got Rashida, and then you've got other guys. You've got um, Gavin Stanford. Uh, oh, I was just about to say him, Michael, Michael Wilson. Wilson. Yeah, he got Michael Wilson. I think he's like he's he could be a sneaky good one this year if he lands in the right group. He could be sneaky good this year, but you're taking a hell of a risk on him. But the potential upside for it is is really big. Um, Tank. I, I feel like Tank... looking for a weapon or a gadget, I'd say Tank Dell's probably the kind of go to, yeah. Yeah, if you're looking for a guy who's going to maybe do some returning, like have a special teams input as well as a receiving input, then Tank could do it as well. So, I mean, yeah, it, it was very difficult. So I've just gone entirely on personal projections here and see. So, yeah, that's, that, that's about it all. Um, 
Those are our dynasty rankings. Quarterbacks, running backs, Titans, wide receivers. Again, we're not professionals at doing this. We have just gone with the guys we like, what they think they're going to do at the next level. And I actually had quite a lot of fun doing this. So it's all been good there. Um, if anyone's got any questions they want to ask us, because that's kind of the show today. It's a, it's a rare short one for us. But as I said, the college football season is, is, is way gone now. We're in spring, spring scrimmages and it's all draft at the minute. So it's, it's a little difficult to do lots of college related stuff so so get your questions in now and we will answer them i know we've had some already so uh, i know mike's asked us some on twitch so let me go back through the chat there and find them uh do 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 do, do. um ash says he I, I want to have a dynasty roar of the lions league but i know no one else wants it it's just a lot of time <laughs> it, it trying to do all this research for it has been such a pain in the neck. Uh, so Mike asks, so we've got to do draft, draft questions now. So are we drafting a replacement quarterback or a backup in this draft? Um, well, kind of did the quarterback show yesterday, but Rai, are we drafting a, a replacement for golf, a backup for him? What do you think we're doing? Uh, if the right person falls to six, his replacement will be taken. If they don't, then they'll probably put it off a year and just try and get an upside backup. They'll, they'll just gamble or like hooker or McKee. Like I say, next year, we if next year we need a starter and we're not in play for one, we probably might regret not taking one this year. Like I say, because I know who the names are next year, but we're not going to be anywhere near bad enough to get them. So if, if, if Richardson or Levis is there at six, I think they take him. I think they take them. I don't think they trade back. Mm, I, I'm with you. I think if the right guy is there at six, they'll get him. But they'll let them, they'll let the quarterback come to us rather than go and get them. I think. And if not, like I'm with you, they'll go high backup quarterback later on in the draft, or, or potentially a high level backup later in the draft, and then maybe try again next year. Who knows? Um, Mike also asks, would you select a late round running back for special teams? I take a running back anyway. Yeah. Uh, we definitely need a running back on day two or three. I don't see Swift getting a second contract. Not unless he has a phenomenal year. Unless he blows out the park, I don't see him being aligned in 2024. So, yep, a special team returner and a potential passing running back because it looks like we've now got our running back one for the next two or three years. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. Who... Who would be the late special teams guy who you're going after there? I mean, I don't know who's later on at this moment in time. Does, does Tucker do it? I don't think Tucker plays special teams. I think a lot of these guys, I'm not sure if they're special teams versed or not. Um, hmm. I would I would take a late round running back. If we didn't get one, though, I'm, I'm with Wright. I'd take a running back regardless. If he can do special teams, great. If not, then it doesn't. It doesn't really matter to me. I think Dwayne McBride at five foot nine can play special teams. Yeah, yeah, he's not too big. And and he's like the hot name on Lions fans' lips at the minute. I, I see Dwayne. Like for those Lions fans who don't want a running back on day one and two, or like early on day two. Like Dwayne McBride seems to be the fallback guy that everybody's going for at the minute. I don't know if there's a reason for it, but you know they, they could potentially be. But. Yeah, we'd take a running back late on. If he's got special teams upside, fine, but you're going to take a running back anyhow. Um, what else did we say on there? Were there any others? Do, 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 do. 
No, he has to about 80. Very Deuce Vaughan might suggest for that. I mean, do you, I don't know. Where do you reckon Juice is going to go in this draft? I feel like he's going to go higher than people predict. So a lot of people say day three, but I, I think he could potentially yeah, go I higher. Think I'll do it, I don't think you'll get him on day three. No, no, I, I agree with you there. Um, let me just have a look, see if there were any questions in here. I know there were in YouTube. Uh, Will Brad Holmes, uh, Derek Biddleman asks, he asked right at the very start of the show, Thanks for the question, Derek. Sorry, it took a while to get to, but we wanted to do the dynasty stuff first. Will Brad Holmes take an O-lineman with, within the first four picks? Yes. We've had four top 30 visits with guards, and we've only visited like 12 players. So a third of them have been O-line. They know that with this pay cut, Vitae's gone next year. And the likelihood of Graham Glasgow being here next year, unlikely. And... We're about to potentially either not pay or pay a potential league record guard fail. We need at least one guard here. There will be a guard in round two. I'm absolutely sure of it. Uh, I'm with you. I think they're going to draft one early, and then I'm going to think they're. I think they're going to draft a development guy late. So you'll get a, a guy who can come in and start right now to fix next year's problems, and then a guy who can be developed over a couple of years and then fix the problems we're going to have with all the massive contracts we're giving out the year after that so yeah I, I do agree there uh, Derek also goes uh, speaking of the Gophers back when we were talking about Mo Ibrahim I like John Smith's for IROR inside offensive line he can play guard and center he's one of those guys you can play for 10 years do you think they'll get like involved in those states because I mean you've got Tippleman you've got Schmitz there's me a little bit later on. There's these plethora of Big Ten centres slash could-be guards, maybe, even though they've not played there before. I mean, would, would, would you get in on them stakes as well, or, or would you like it to be, like, outright guard? No. I, I would not. I'd stay well away from them. Anyone that's like Creed Humphreys, like, centre guard slash no. Schmitz is their centre. Tipperman is definitely a centre. I think he's the best. Yeah. And uh, your centre, Whipler... Probably a centre, maybe a guard, but no. I say just just stick with the guys that have played guard. Even the, I, I hate the thought of like moving Skoronsky to guard. I don't want Skoronsky, and people keep saying it like he's a tackle that's always played it. His future may be at guard, but I won't be the team at six that makes that experiment. Let the Bears do it at nine. I think Skoronsky will go to the Bears potentially. They can try and move him. I know the Bears fans we know are smitten with Paris Johnson, so I'm kind of hoping the Raiders take him just to like spite their face and don't go quarterback um, with them. But yeah, I agree. Like I know they say these guys can play a lot of interior, but Schmitz has never taken a snap outside of centre. I'm pretty sure Tipperman hasn't. I know Wallowitimi damn well hasn't. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know they can do it, but I would rather go with the actual guard themselves because that gap at right guard is so critical for us. We can't put a guy in there who's like doing it for the first time you've got to take it seriously so he's a great player don't get me wrong if you need a center this year this is the draft for you you've got to get a high level caliber start right off the bat it's crazy but uh, yeah i'm with you i don't think they're one for us um uh john doe asked do you need a linebacker certified middle linebacker put Ancelotti on the left or right side of you expecting us to be in the middle linebacker conversation? I, I fully am. I'm expect or at least be in the linebacker conversation. I don't care what Riz or anyone like that says. Who will just never take one early? I think this will be the year that they do invest in one. Because we've got five picks in the top eighty, 
and there's some really good guys there. I, I think we will. What do you reckon? I think we need to. They, they gave Anzori three years, but in the back of their minds, they've got no intention of keeping him three years. I don't think he's got intentions of staying here three years. And as of right now, then we don't have a Mike linebacker. We don't have his replacement in-house, so we need to find it. And if that is Jack Campbell at like 44 at the start of the second round, if people like it, so be it. If it's Trenton Simpson at 18, that might upset people, but so be it. I trust them to find our new future linebacker. All the best teams, like I say, you've got Shaq Leonard, you've got Fred Warner, you've got guys like that. If you invest in a proper Mike linebacker, you will reap the rewards of it. We've not done that for a long time, and it's getting a little bit tedious. Yeah. No, I, I agreed. I think we, we, we do need to sort the mic out. Or at least we need to invest in future linebackers because outside of, who knows what's going on with Barnes, but outside of Rodrigo, there's no one else coming through the system right now. There's just a load of special teams linebackers in there who are never going to be anything going Good forward. Geez. So we got Chanel, Willie Gay Jr., Nick Bolton. Yeah. And it fixed their entire defense. It took yeah. They are, they are ridiculous. I yeah. want to find our local Wilson or our Nick Bolton. And I feel like he's there this year. Oh, oh God, absolutely. I think linebacker has to be a priority out of these. So get your guy. And like I say, you're in, the luxury, you're in maybe in a position where you don't have to play him that much this year, especially if you go upside developmental guy like Henley, like someone like that who needs a bit of polishing and a bit of fine-tuning. But you can just sort of ease them in whilst the three guys take the snaps there. So you've got to do it. You know, we've got no one coming through at linebacker outside of Rodrigo, no one coming through at cornerback outside of, I mean, I guess we don't, unless you count Jerry still, but he's as good as a first-teamer at this moment in time. And then at safety, you've just got Kirby. It's positions where we need to keep reloading for the future. So, And linebacker's one of them. We've absolutely got to to do that. Um, Kool-Aid Kid goes, what do we know about John Penasini? Or was that already covered? No, we've not really talked about John. As far as I'm aware, he's reinstated to the league now, but he's not coming back to the Lions. But I don't yeah. think... I- I don't see him being a lion. He's a free agent. Yeah, I feel like if if he was going to stay a lion, wouldn't they have just reinstated him and activated him? I don't feel like what waving him's achieved. Um, no, I, no, it, it's an odd one with John, and it's like I really like John. John follows us on Twitter and interacts with us occasionally. He's a really good guy, but we've got to remember the Lions made him play through injury, you know, and. I know it was Patricia, I know it was the previous regime, but there will still be people there from that time. He was he was playing hurt, trying to get in the team and, and do everything he did, so maybe he just feels it's time for a, a new place. So he's had a year off, maybe the injuries got better, because he had all those calcium deposits, it just wasn't very pleasant, and maybe he thought, I can come back and do something now, but I think his spot's gone anyhow. When, when you got Bugs here, when you got Benito here, he's, he's kind of spotting the system's gone. He's not going to be a starting DT, which we need to go with Aleem. So then you've got sort of Aleem, new starting DT, wherever it comes from, Benito, you know, Bugs, then Penasini. It's just, you got a lot of run stuffers in there, and it, it's kind of a lot of depth, and I just don't think you'd see many snaps. So it's a shame, but I love John, and I hope he gets on a team, and I hope he gets snaps, because, you know, he deserves it. It's just a shame what happened here with him. Uh, Grand Isaac goes, Stanford wide receivers give teams PTSD due to JJ Arcega Whiteside. Was he a Stanford wide receiver? 
He was, wasn't yeah. he? I completely forgot about it. That's maybe, maybe. But I think Michael Wilson will be better than JJ. I, th- I, th- I think he will be. I feel like you've got to give him the benefit of the doubt when you're on such a rubbish team. Uh, you have to give these guys the benefit of the doubt. I think he'll do well there. Um, right. Any again? I'm just sort of going through questions now. If you've got any questions, please quickly get them in because we really got nothing else to go on tonight. Now, um, where were we? Let's go down. Da, da, da. Grand Isaac goes, keep saying Devin A. Chain and Kendra Miller rise up a little. Your thoughts on those running backs? I mean, we kind of discussed them, but A. Chain's getting traction because of his return ability and his speed, isn't he? I mean, I guess, it's a, did we say, do you reckon he's day two now in, in the thick of things in this class? Probably, yeah. I think people don't really mind that he's small and slender. I feel like they just, they just think he's a weapon. And he showed at this times this year he was a weapon. I'm pretty sure, like when he took that kick to the house against Appalachian State when they lost A&M, he still looked really good. He was still that bright spark even when bad things were this year. And if you want a guy that is still probably able to play at the highest level despite overcoming such a small frame, and people write him off, it's probably going to be him. Mm. It's never really held him back. It probably won't held him back as a pro either. No, he was the only reason that offense was, you know, passable last year. He, he carried it. He was the only sort of threat they had there. And like I say, that that was as a returner, as a receiver, as a, as a running back. You know, he, he was the only reason that A&M's offense was relevant because it was absolutely god-awful. He also mentions Kendra Miller. We've, we've mentioned Kendra. He's rising, but with, with good reason. Um, Kool-Aid Kid mentions Keaton Mitchell. They've gone quiet on Keaton, but... It, it seems with all the running backs in the class, some of them just go quiet for a bit and drop. Is, is Keaton just going through that? Because he, again, is another one who could sneakily be a good contributor year one if he's in the right system. Yeah, he only had his pro day two or three days ago. He's a year, I saw that, like, whole nose there. So they, they just worked out again. And I think he was there again. I feel like he's just, there's like a bog in the middle of his running back class and it's just, it's stacked. We didn't even talked about Evan Hull, and he's no. firmly in that. Yeah, like so you got you got Outchid, you got uh, Keaton, you got McBride, you've got Hull, you've got guys like Vaughn. They are just they're just stuck in this mire, like in the mud in the middle, and it, it, it's impossible to separate themselves from one another. No. You will just see you know, from this side, say the middle of the second to like the fourth of the round, you will just see all of them come off the bottom. Within two rounds, most of these have been gone between two and four. Oh, absolutely. And and Evan Hull has sort of the benefit that he plays out the wild card as well. So more touches for a running back if you can play out the wild card, maybe slinger through few, through few throws, which he did at Northwestern. That kind of gives him out of versatility. It's like... It's like the adage of like you know trees growing in a forest. You know they're all all really good. They're all trying to grow at the same time, and some of them will just like rise above the others and get all the. This will be what it is with these. Like you said, there's this big middle pool of guys, and two and three of them will rise to absolute prominence, and we'll be thinking, how did we miss them? When in reality, it's just there's so much talent. It's all about where they land and how they get used, and and how situations work out. You know, sometimes it's a completely by accident. It's an injury. You know, it's a trade, whatever, and these guys just get really good. So, yeah, um, it's crazy. Grandizer goes, have we had the, the fullbacks, kickers, punters, and long snappers snow yet? No, we have not. I don't think there are five long snappers in this draft. I'm pretty sure there's not seven punters in this draft. There's Bryce Barringer and the guy from Rutgers. And 
kickers and fullbacks. I don't think there's eight full. In fact, I think there is eight. I think Pro Football Network got eight fullbacks, but they were really, really reaching for that. So maybe we'll see. Deadfan Man goes one day. Roar Lines UK will understand that linebackers simply don't matter. No linebackers till day three forever. We will fight that narrative forever, Deadfan Man, before we give in to it. Rise to the linebackers in day one and day two. 100%. Grandizer goes, I want a pure center for the Dolphins. Um, oh, well, this is a great year for you. Go for it. You got about five from the Big Ten alone, so uh, have fun with that. Um, do, do, do. Cool Aker goes, Detroit Lions on the prowl said the Lions waive the rights to Penasini and that is unretired. Yeah, that, that's the case. He's going to another team. He's not coming back to us. So he's unretired. We don't have his rights. He can go anywhere he wants. We'll see what happens with that. Um, Grandaz mentions Elijah Higgins from Stanford. Yeah, he is absolutely there as well. Derek asks, will Brad Holmes move up to get Will Anderson or back to gain more draft capital? Which is more likely, move up or move back? I mean, we discussed this a bit, but my preference is to move up for Will Anderson and just go nuts with it. But I don't know. What's your preference, forward or backward? Uh, I'd rather we go up, but I feel like it's more likely we move back. <sighs> That's fair. Um, I don't know. I just feel like when Brad's presented with a good player, he'll go and get the good player. It's like Penny could have traded that pick, didn't? Aiden could have picked the trade of the pick didn't I, I don't know it's it's a weird one I feel like we're more likely to trade up from 18 for another guy if we're gonna like go down that route that just seems to be the thing that Brad does but yeah I, I'd be up for Will just put loads of studs on your defense we've got a good young core now so we can just afford the luxury of going out there and getting the best players we can and just building a in super team in the long run with them so I, I'd 100% do that um there it goes. Every long snapper that plays for the Lions has to wear Don Mulback's jersey. Yeah, he's the best. There will never be anyone better than him. Um, Ash correctly points out there's two long snappers in this draft. Robert Soderholm and then there's a guy from a G5 Florida school. So yeah, unfortunately, we can't do any more there. Ash asks about Chase Brown. Let, let's finish it off with that one because we don't we, we don't have any more going. Chase Brown, Rye. Again, another one of these running backs who's in that myriad of guys in the middle. What what do you reckon? I don't see anything that stands out compared to the rest. I feel like he's in no man's land. If, it, if anything, he's in no man's land. Like, say, it's like that, that, that day two, just quagmire of just, just waiting for your name to be called and when the run to start. I'd rather have his brother. I prefer, I'd rather take Sydney on the other side of the ball. But yeah, I feel like Chase Brown, yeah, they're just clamouring for draft position. I, I think the odds of a Brown from Illinois getting to the Lions is high, whether it be Chase or Sydney. I feel like one of them might be here by the end, or at least a player from Illinois will be on this team by I the end of the draft. I wouldn't mind the Lions, but I'd probably wait till day three, I'm honest. Yeah. Brown. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh no, we're not quite done just yet. Mike, Mike's bought, Mike's bought out the guy. It's like, oh dear. We, okay, you've mentioned him now. I've got, we've got a good talk about him. Mike goes, question: Do you think Adatom Yiwa Adabare could be used in DTDE packages better than Kansi? Taller, longer arms, and faster. They've, they've mentioned double A. I mean, I guess actually I didn't see the Kansi bit. Can he be used scheme versatile more than Kansi can? Yes, he can. 
but he's an absolute fraud of a player, in my opinion. Rai, what do you reckon? Can can Adabari be used better than Kansi for the Lions? Probably, because there's little to no chance of Kansi playing the same position that he did in college at the NFL. I mean, like what I, I just Can- someone was six and a half, six feet and a half playing like say like what a three tech. Can I see it? No, he's not Aaron Donald. Never will be. No, I just feel like he will just get lost on the inside. Exactly, he can't play nose tackle. He's just not big enough to play nose tackle, um, and he can't play edge. So, like you said, he's he's stuck in the middle there, and he's just going to be an impact pass rusher for a, for the next team at the next level. Whereas Adabare, as much as I don't, I'm not keen on him as a player. You can use him on the edge in situations, and you. He does his best work inside as a defensive tackle. He's just not done a great deal of it. So that's what I don't like about him. It, he's not going to be an edge at the next level, a pure edge, which is you know what he's been in college. And he's just not done enough at D-tackle for me to give up such a big pick for him. So, But if it's if it's down to the two, you know, we'll get Adatom Yiwa later on in the second round, whereas Kansi will have to give up six or 18. So for value purposes... And scheme purposes, flexibility-wise, I I choose Adatom Yiwa. But outside of that, no, I don't really want to go anywhere near them. I think it was Riz had his article the other day that said the Lions didn't want to go near Kansi either. So I'm I'm not sure there. Um, Ash goes potentially it's a risk. At least you know what you're getting with Kansi, and it's not like Kansi was bad. He had 92 PFF grade. Yeah, 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 he did. He did. I mean, Kansi had a really good year. I'm not saying he's not had a good year. It's just at the next level, what can he be? You know, he's not going to be a nose tapper. You ain't going to be using him as a nose. You ain't going to use him to stuff the run in the middle there. You're going to use him to pass rush. That is what you're going to use him for. And outside of that, I just. Where at least without a bar rate, you can develop him over time to maybe do both. But I just. I, just, I don't think he has it. But I take the lesser of two evils in that case um let's see others grandizer goes a player profile vid i watched was manasse mose the center from north texas yeah i I can't tell you much there grand um there's there's a lot of good centers in this i just go for one of the better centers really honestly and north texas they were good this year i think we talked about him a little while back during the season but i could could be wrong but I think you've got much better choices to have there. Uh, Giovanni goes, I got one. Will the Lions be that much better with Anderson and or Carter? Ooh. Who would they be better with? If you if you could have a choice of them both and you installed both of them individually into this defence, which defence would be better? It's quite interesting. If they both played up to their potential, I'd say we're better with Jalen Carter. Because I still think pressure through the middle is where we're lacking. I still, I think we're fine around the edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree. We we need a DT, so we would be a better overall defense with the DT and there in the edges that we've got, rather than putting Will in as well. But it's just a part that gets me really, really excited thinking that there's Will, Hutch, Romeo, Charles. I mean, just send two blitzing NASCAR packages against the quarterback and kill him. That that just be the way the way to go. With that one, uh, Derek goes, prediction, we trade with the Vikings during the draft and fleece them again, lol. I mean, we may. I don't really know where they're picking, but Brad has traded 
with division rivals quite frequently now, so I wouldn't put it past him to do it. I wouldn't put it past him to do it again. Um, <laughs> cool Aid Kid goes, Minnesota trades up to get the next Christian Ponder. That is hilarious. That would be funny. No, if you want the bad effort Florida State quarterback, you've got to wait till next year to do that. No, I'm joking. I'm sorry, Ash. I just had to get that in there. Um, cool Aid Kid goes, after they chose Teddy Bridgewater and they didn't... <laughs> um, Derek goes, out of our free agents, who has the most impact? Quickly, and then we'll probably leave it at that. The ones we've signed um, so far. Emmanuel Mosley. Ooh, interesting. Um, b- 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 free agents, who's going to be the best? Oh, I think it'd be Cam Sutton. I think it'd be one of them two. I mean, Cam's got such a high floor, and Emmanuel was playing at a high level before injury, so I think it's going to be one of them two who has the... Uh, the start there. Mike says he's got one more. He goes, I'm liking defensive tackle Jervon Dexter splitting time with Bugs. I think we discussed Jervon not so long back. And yeah, Jervon Dexter. I'd... Any thoughts on him? I think we discussed him a little while back and if I remember rightly, we were kind of like meh, but I could be wrong. It's like a day three defensive tackle, yeah. I think he's fine. I feel that's probably where he is as well. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I feel like if they're gonna, if we don't like Jalen Carter, you'll probably wait until D three, like interior defensive tackle. Yeah, I, I feel like Dexter's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I've got a few more. We'll get through these quick. Grandizer twelve goes. Would you be upset if Holmes decides to trade down, get more capital, and drafts HBCU prospects like Aubrey Miller or Isaiah Land in the third or fourth? I mean, would you be upset if he? Traded back and got one of those guys? I wouldn't be. I think there's a lot of talent to be had at HBCUs this year. No. They're two great guys. Like, I think Isaiah Land, like, he's a very interesting prospect. Like I said, like, he's got the size, he's got the length, he's got versatility. And you saw what they did with Houston. Probably try the same things with him too. So I feel like Land will potentially be a really good rotational piece. Mm. And if you don't want to spend high on land, then you can go later on the, oh, what's it, Andrew Farmer as well. I mean, he's got, like... BJ Thompson. I, I expect us to get one of these kind of small school guys. Yeah, BJ Thompson's the guy to watch grand out of um, Stephen F. Austin. His his draft capital's been going through the roof recently. Um, Death Fan Man goes, second chance. Sorry, you'd already asked this. I missed the official Roar Alliance UK reaction to the Vikings' failure to scoop up David Montgomery. Any words on Monty choosing Detroit over Minnesota? My words, he's got good taste. What do you reckon to, to Monty choosing us over Mini, Rye? Makes sense. He, he, who's he going to beat out? Swift or and or try to beat out Cook and or Madison? He knows where the he knows where the snaps are. They're in Detroit. It's a crowded running back room in because they also took Ty Chandler, Minnesota. They've also got Kenny and Wongwu. Their running back room is very expensive already, and it's got too many guys in it. He was never going to go to Minnesota. No, like I say, he's going to be one here. He's or one A at bay. You know, he might have a one B with him, but he's going to be the guy. So, yeah, it, he's made the right choice. He's joining the upcoming team, not the stagnant team. So. It's just it's just indicative of how far Detroit has come. Under Patricia, no player would have made that decision. Um, Derek quickly goes, with all the cap space we have, will the Lions take one more swing at a top free agent? Do you think they're done, or do you think there's one more guy potentially left? I'd say there's one left, but it won't be after the draft. I don't think we do. I don't think anyone now 
apart from like OBJ before the draft, maybe like the Jets or Ravens, I don't think any big player left now will sign before the draft because teams right now aren't re they're going to reevaluate their needs in May. Of course they are. Everyone's gone after the top targets. Now the second phase is get your draft guys, and then the third phase is. Yeah, they're like, uh oh, we've not got this guy, what's left on the free agent market. That's what they'll be like after. So yeah, they're done for now. And then I think they'll they'll do something after. And they'll have to do something after because there's no three cut there's no three cut down rule anymore, is there, during camp. So you can't pick off the good free agents getting released from teams as the rosters gets, it's just one cut now from 90 to 53. So you can't even wait for those levels of cuts to start happening. So you've got to do it after the draft. Otherwise you just risk missing out big time. Um, right. I think we will leave it at that. Uh, Giovanni goes best beer ever. Now end it, you know, that that's just, you know, that's just going to create arguments there. We're, we're all going to think something different. Me and Ryan are Northern guys. We'll have different answers to the rest of the guys on the group. It's the UK, so yeah. it's hard to compete. Like I say, we can't compare with everybody. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Derek goes, great show, guys. I'm glad I could be alive. Hey, Derek, we are we are very grateful that you could be here with us. Thanks for all the questions and all the interaction. I appreciate it. Thank you to everyone who's joined us on Twitch. Thank you to everyone who's joined us on YouTube. Me and Ryan will be back again next week with the college show. As said, we, we've got about three shows left now, a couple before the draft and one after, and then we'll go on our little hiatus while we sort out all the league previews for next year which take a metric ton of work to get done so next week we're hoping to do a mac draft show with some of our friends from our discord chat i need to get on with juni about that but we're going to take a look in depth at some of the mac guys so potential sleepers in the draft and of course carl brooks from bowling green as well everyone wants to hear about him and we've not really chatted about him in terms of edge guys and potential there so that should be good fun there um as said, for the main Detroit Lions podcast that we do, we are back in two days' time on Thursday. We are talking to Nick Baumgartner from The Athletic. He's been on the show with us before, but not for a few years, just like um, Dave the other day. So it's going to be good to get to, get to catch up with him again. So please, if you've got any questions for Nick, leave them on our Twitter, leave them anywhere, and we will, uh, we will get them sorted for you Um so that's it in terms of next shows just remains for me to thank again Ryan for, for joining me on the show this evening for all of you who have joined us in the chat you can find us all over the internet so on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube just type in Roar of the Lines UK we are becoming a big enough deal now that when you actually type it in we are the first search result that comes back as opposed to the old days when you typed it in and you couldn't find us for love nor money we are we are the first hit so any of your socials, just type in Royal Lines UK, you will find us. And uh, yeah, thank you ever so much for your support as always. We love and appreciate you all. And we shall see you on Thursday. Until then, just remains for me to say, one pride.